Hello everybody and welcome back inside the Shark Tank for another episode of the podcast. It's been a couple of weeks uh, since we last spoke to you. There's, there's plenty of change of foot at sale and at the Shark Tank HQ, but we'll come on to that at the end. Um, but in the meantime, my name is Lewis and I'd like to say I'm joined by my co-host Alex. Alex, coming to you off the back of uh, Sales 24, a piece draw with, with Bath on Saturday. Uh, how are things your side? Um... Yeah, slightly frustrated, mate. I can't believe we've got three draws in the season. That is obscene, isn't it? It's just, uh, you know, it's both frustrating, but also there's some positives in it, I suppose. You know, it's one of those, you know, when you're playing well, you you win the close games. When you're not playing that well, you lose the close games. And we appear to be somewhere in the middle at the moment where we're playing okay and we're drawing the close games. So, um, yeah, I... I always benefit when I'm not watching the game live, which I didn't this week. Watched it uh, on the Prem Rugby app, you know, with a fresh mind on Monday. So I feel um, feel disappointed, but not completely deflated, I think is the best way of putting it. You know, still some positives, but uh, a hell of a lot to work on. So, yeah, that's that's my main takeaway. bit confused and, uh, yeah, would quite like to start winning games again. What about you? Um, I'm I'm just sick of having to have this sort of internal um, conflict about whether or not a try bonus point draw is a good result because on the face of it, it's another three points and and keeping pace in the top four push and the top six push is so important. You know, you look at the table and and how congested everything is. It's very difficult to... um, to, to go a week without picking up any points and actually stay in that race. You know, we, you've, you've seen the impacts a couple of bad weeks has had on Wasps, you know, who are, you know, six points adrift, or sorry, nine points adrift of the top four, but have now got to go past five teams to get back up there. So on the one hand, they're very happy, but on the other hand, this bad team is shit. And even though they're away from home on, on Saturday, you really would have expected us, you know, to pick up, Four points, or, and, and obviously five points with the with the try bonus. But then you look at the, the the terrible first half that we had, and and to go into the sheds twenty one seven down. Uh, you, you, it, with, with with that focus, it, it turns into a positive result again. So I don't, maybe you can make sense of it for me. Like you know, how how should we be feeling about this result? Yeah, I think it's it's one of those typical sale games where before the game, if someone had said to you, you can have three points from this Bath away game, you'd have probably gone, hmm, a bit disappointed because I would have wanted to win. But I don't think, you know, we would, especially a season ago, we wouldn't have been expecting to try bonus points. We couldn't score try bonus points. Um, so, you know, before the game, it probably would have been an okay result. After the game, it feels like a loss because... We had a pretty simple kick to win it at the end. We left 10 points out there on from the boot. And as you said, this isn't a good bath team. And, you know, we kind of, yet again, as we did, um, as we have done in many, many games this season, our discipline contributed to our own downfall. And I think that's the frustration for me, that I keep saying, you know, there's lots of positives. And there are. There really are this season. The, the attacking, you know, we were talking six months ago about Paul Deacon having a nightmare. Well, our attack is obviously flying at the moment and all of a sudden it's Mike Borshaw in the spotlight on defence. Um, but I do think the massive, massive issue is discipline. It's almost like we need a discipline coach. We've got a full, you know, we've got an attack coach, we've got a defence coach, we've got a forwards coach. 
But who's who's sorting out discipline? Because we are giving away penalties at an alarming rate, and that's the frustration that, and that's why I think it is frustrating because with you can forgive. I mean, can you forgive not having a backup goal kicker in the squad that's reliable? Not sure. Fair enough. Um, you, but obviously you can forgive, you know, AJ being injured and we're playing three games in a week and therefore you want to rest Wilkinson and Curtis. Um, that kind of makes sense to me. So as much as I agree you can't forgive that, it, it is a bit of a function of the way the fixture list has fallen. But you just can't forgive making the same errors over and over again. And that's what I mean, you know, the, the attacking play is really good. Tom Roebuck had a really, really good game. Bevan Rod was absolutely outstanding, like world-class. Um, you know, Lee Diaga had a good game. Faf looked like he was, you know, playing quite well other than his kicking, which isn't what we signed him for. Um, thought Sam James had a good game at 13. Thought Luke James had a good game. You know, there's all these positives. The defence was decent. Bath didn't really look like scoring other than off our indiscipline and our mistakes. And for some reason, first plays off the mall, our defence is crap at the moment. But, and then there's so many issues. The line-out was rubbish. The um, discipline was awful. The You know, the accuracy was just not there in our defence and we were missing tackles way more than we ever used to. And it's just... Go on, hit me with it. Just woeful. But that's what I mean. It's, it's like the enigma of the sale team, isn't it? And that's why I don't know how to feel about it. And it's almost like, you know, when you're listening to a Sales Charts-based podcast on a Tuesday, as I imagine our most dedicated listeners are, you probably want us to give you answers. And I wish I could, but I just can't because there's so much good and so much bad. And it's the eternal battle with sale that we are never... It's, it's classic finishing in fifth place, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. We're good enough all season in spirits. We cannot put together a complete performance week in, week out, like Sarri's do, like Exeter do, like Leicester are doing every week at the moment, other than away at the AJ Bell. It's just, that's what I mean, that's frustration for beating the league leaders who barely lost all season with a bonus point. And then we go to probably the worst team in the league, or what were the worst team in the league for the first six months of it. And we go 21-7 down and have to scrap our way back to a draw. Oh, I don't know, mate. You t- give me some direction because I'm lacking any, as you can tell. I, I think actually, now that we started to talk through it, I think you can look at this as as, as being, you, you know, two points dropped. Because I'm just I'm just digging through the stats on on this, and you know, Bath conceded 18 penalties on Saturday, and, and realistically, if if the opposition is conceding that many penalties, once you get in above 15, your odds of winning should be significantly higher because all those penalties they give away territory they give away possession once you sort of hit that marker you you should be sort of putting that team away and and realistically you know sale despite the dodgy first half were in the ascendancy for most of the game obviously they were leading up until the 75th minute or whatever it was obviously they had a chance to win it at the end as well but it is frustrating because actually you you, you you've hit the nail on the head we score four tries. We we come from, admittedly, a, a deficit of our own making. We do all these really strong things, but then we can't make a tackle to save our lives. 
And realistically, even if we put together just an average performance in you know, every sort of facet of the game, just an average one, we beat that Bath team quite comfortably, I think. And this time it was, you know, the, the set piece not, not sort of functioning in an optimal manner. It's, it's poor def- individual defence. It's poor team defence. It is very frustrating. And I think we are going to probably come to the end of the season in fifth or sixth. And it's going to be games like this Bath one where we're going to rue it. Because when we drew with Irish at the start of the season, you know, we had, what was it, Gus Warren and Kieran Wilkerson playing nine and ten. You know, we, we had, you know, we didn't have any of our South Africans, loads of injuries, away from home. You, you understood why we, we, we drew, even though we, we threw away a 20-point lead or whatever. This Bath game, I think, is a little bit more inexcusable for that because realistically, there's enough on, on the pitch on Saturday to win that game. We did enough to win, and, and yet we didn't. And I think a big part of that obviously comes down to missing a kick at the end of the game, which we'll, which we'll come on to in a second, because I want to talk some three-word reviews um, in which there is a very common theme. So Nick, uh, missing a kicker. Uh, Bruno Coffrey, RDP, no bottle. Brutal, but fair enough. Uh, James Mare, Champions Cup remaining. Uh, Boyd Black, what, no kicker. Uh, Zach, uh, two points dropped. Uh, Stockport Rugby, M&J. Uh, Curtis should have played. Uh, Taylor Ross, microcosm of season, and uh, Molan's rugby dad, early start, George. Um, Alex, obviously, I want to ask you, we have the chance to win it at the end of the game, 82 minutes on the clock. Faf steps up to, to take a penalty that would have won the game for his 27-24. He misses it. Um, how, how, how important do you think that, that moment is in the context of the game? Do you think it's fair to say, well, there's a couple of options for you first. One, we shouldn't have been in that position anyway. Two, it's fine to be in that position, but we should have had Tom, uh, we should have had Tom Curtis kicking it or, or uh, a specialist 10 kicking it instead. Or three, it's just one of those things and, and we have to roll with the punches and, and our luck will bounce back somewhere else. Yeah, it's not a luck thing, I think. So I'm, I'm writing off three. I don't think it's one of those things. I think when you're at this level of, of sport, you know, the, the fundamental thing is you can analyse the game and you can say that, yeah, we shouldn't have been in that position because um, we shouldn't have made as many mistakes as we did. But, you know, you have to acknowledge that, the, you know, it, the team can't play at 100% all the time as much as I... I'm desperate for them to. So you have to accept that you're going to be in a position. And I think that's the frustrating thing, that when you're off the field, you can't influence it. So you have to look at it and go, right, okay, we've got ourselves into this position. And I think that's where the frustration is. It sort of drives me down the, we should have had Tom Curtis on that kick. Now, bear in mind, Faf had kicked two penalties, two conversions before that, sorry missed one and made one and he made the fourth actually so you know there's a bit more of a um you know he made he made the last kick before he kicked that goal so it probably comes back to you know it's a missed kick and it's it's an individual error i think the wider problem comes that we're left 10 points out so you know our starting fly off missed two relatively easy kicks and his replacement missed two relatively easy kicks um and that's just, you know, it's not good enough at the end of the day, is it? I, 
and whether that's the fault of the individuals for their technique or whether that's the fault of the management for putting them in that position, there's got to be some accountability somewhere. It's probably a bit of both. I mean, you know, Fab's not a kicker, let's be honest. I know he kicks forwards and he's a great long-range option. Um, but I think the onus has to be on Rob Dupria, who is the starting 10 and he's on the field. And, and maybe there's a there's a question as to why he goes off kicking duties when Faf takes over, you know, unless there was an injury or something. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there's a there's a wider point around, OK, maybe Faf shouldn't have had to make that kick. But to be honest, it comes to, down to me that the performance on the field was probably about five to eight points better than Bath, wasn't it? And, and it, you know, if we'd kicked our goals, it would have been. And and that's that's the really frustrating thing that, you know, fast put in that position because of almost the same issue. It's almost a bit circular, you know, like, yes, Bath shouldn't have missed that kick, but he shouldn't have been in that position because we should have made our kicks earlier, one of which was a fast missed kick. So, like, and, and a Robert Freeman's kick. So, it harks back to the old days pre when AJ was injured and we were starting Sam James at ten and we just didn't have a kicker and and you know Cliffy was taking kicks at goal and and it's it is an issue and I think it's really interesting next season with obviously AJ off George Ford coming in but George Ford is probably likely to be away with England for quite a lot of the week um, so you know does there has to be an element of trust goes into our young fire ops and we've got Kieran Wilkinson and Tom Curtis both of whom are a very talented fly-offs and Tom Curtis who has shown you know balls of steel on occasion to kick goals as is Kieran Wilkinson actually but you know I think I think their kicking technique is it's not AJ's but AJ's wasn't that good for the first three years he was with us um, but I think that I do think that if we're going to pursue Rob Debrea as the third team which has worked really well then it is a tough ask for him to change his mentality to come and play 10, run the team without that comfort blanket of AJ. You know, he's, he's thinking so much about almost learning a new position at 13 that probably the kicking technique and, and that has fallen off. You know, it's it's you can only do so much as a player. Um, and when you're not settled in your position and, and you roll, it does affect your kicking game. It's the, it's the real microcosm of... Because it's the real pressure situation, isn't it? So... I'm going in massive depth on the analysis here, but I basically think the answer is trust in your backup 10. And, and there has to be trust in whoever's on the bench at 10. If they're good enough for the bench, they're good enough to play the last 10 minutes of the game. Default. If they're good enough to play the last 10 minutes of the game, then they should be taking the shots at goal. And, you know, again, this comes back to this week as a special case because as we see now, Wilkinson and Curtis playing this Tuesday at, at Quinns. Um, but I think... What will be interesting is when this scenario happens again, which it probably will with AJ injured, where does it go? Does it stay with Rob Breer and Faf on the field and we put trust in the senior players whose role isn't to kick, but we have to make them kick? Or do we put trust in the youth? And, and I would be in the latter camp. But I can understand Alex Anderson being in the former. You know, if, if your players are saying, if they're kicking well in training and they're saying, I'll take that shot, you've just got to back them, haven't you? And, and, and that's the breaks. But yeah, I think... The frustration is that we put ourselves in that position through the same error three times earlier in the game. I mean, this is the dominant theme. So we are uh, from from Saturday's game. So we are going to, you know, keep, keep talking about this really because there's a couple of things that that I know we're, we're quite keen to mention. Um, I think the first is um, James, who obviously couldn't, couldn't make it this week. 
was at pains to point out that uh, th- there's a real irony here in that Danny Cipriani, who obviously fantastic player in his time at Sale, but you know about a 65% goal kicker, kicked 100% of his kicks uh, on on Saturday, and was a massive reason why Bath got three points out of that game. He was uh, he, had, he had a good showing generally, but that that sort of accuracy from the tee versus what we had kept Bath in it and ultimately gave them a share of the spoils. So the irony is certainly not lost there. The the, the second thing is, it is interesting around Curtis, because now with the benefit of hindsight, we know he's going to be playing on, on Tuesday against Queens in the Premier Rugby Cup. But what do you risk by having him play five minutes at the end of the game? In theory, you, you bring him on actually when, when Sale are in the lead um, before uh, Cipriani kicked that, that penalty to tie it up. You give him five minutes just uh, as a chance to manage the game. And then it means that if you do get this opportunity to, to kick a winning penalty, you've got it. Now, <coughs> pardon me. I think I understand why people are maybe a bit reserved about that. Curtis is a young 10 or you know he's, he's not necessarily even playing 10 for, for sale at the moment. Um, you don't want to put him in too many positions like you saw at Gloucester early in the season. But if you can't trust your number 22 in, in, uh, in the match day squad to manage the game for five minutes and you know kick territory and, and close the game out, like you said, what's the point in, in having him on there? Um, you know, the coaching staff obviously know a lot more about players' capabilities and responsibilities than, than we do. But it is a, that, that is surprising. And I think if Tom Curtis had, had had a kick at goal to win it on Saturday and he'd missed it, we're sat here saying, you know, fair enough, fair play to him for giving it a crack. Same as, as what happened away at Gloucester earlier in the season. But he wasn't. He was on the bench and he's supposed to be a specialist kicker versus Fat, who's a sort of secondary kicker. That is a, a bit of a question mark. And it, it does make you wonder, well, if we're not going to play these players... Could we not have done something different with with our twenty three composition, and, and maybe you have a different result there? I don't know. The last thing, though, Alex, is um, our, our man Kieran Critchard was reporting from Axis Media Availability last week that AJ is due to be out for six weeks or so with it with an injury. That obviously puts into question uh, a lot of things with how this this sale team was run for the, for the back end of the season. But kicking aside. What did you see on Saturday, either positive or negative, which suggests we might be okay with, or we might not be okay without AJ for the running for the rest of the season? I think it's helpful having Faf back for that. I think, you know, you, you're losing a leader, but you're gaining a leader when you lose AJ and, and obviously Faf's come back and it's not it's not timed quite, it's, you know, it's not perfectly, but... Um, obviously, the situation isn't, isn't perfect, but you know there is a bit of a benefit there. Um, Faf likes to win the game, and Rob Dupree is quite happy sitting in the back seat. And I think AJ and Faf have had to get used to playing with each other and got very good over a long relationship. Faf and Rob Dupree are fit more naturally, so you can see that. Um, I think Rob Dupree has always been a really good attacking player. You know, he's we're moving the ball out wide, we're finding gaps. Um, Actually, our attack when we could keep hold of the ball looked pretty good. You know, we weren't. Bath got a couple of turnovers, but we looked much more incisive than they did. They looked pretty impotent, other than when we gave away penalties and they had a five meter line out from the kick. Um, so I think that's a massive positive. The bit, the tactical kicking is okay. We've obviously got Sam James in there with the left boot, and I think it does 
it's it's probably a real positive to bring Sam James back into the fold at 13. Um, I think that'll work really well because you know he's. I think he looked good on on Saturday actually, and I think he suits playing with Rob quite well. I, I you know I think that that tends to work because just because he gets more of the ball, you know AJ is a very very good player, but. Rob will get the ball and fire it out to 13 channel and then we'll play off there. Um, whereas with AJ, we do tend to play off 10 a lot more because, you know, he'll see something and he'll take it in and he'll dummy it or he'll, he'll you know, throw the show and go. Um, do, you, and, do you think playing with Rob Dupree for the last six games of the season or whatever it is, do you, do you think that's going to mirror more closely what we'll play like with George Ford next season? It's a good question. I think it'll be closer than AJ, yeah. I don't think it'll be, you know, an exact mirror, but I do think it's a really good point, actually. It's 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 definitely moving the dial back towards George Ford because of the way he plays. I think what you don't get with Rob is the tactical kicking game, and I think that'll be still be driven through Faf. So the big change will be the tactical kicking game responsibility will shift from 9 to 10 next season, and George Ford will drive that. Now, Rafkowitz is a very good box kicker, but... Faf drives when we kick and where we kick when he's on the field. And I sense that responsibility would shift to George Ford. But for the rest of the season, I think you'll see that you know, Faf calls the, the bigger plays. You know, Rob will still call the, the back moves, you presume. But I think you'll see Faf going, right, OK, now we're going to kick it. Now we're going to you know slow it down. Now we're going to go one out. So I think that'll be the big difference. But yeah, I agree. You know, in terms of the way he plays and the way he takes the ball to the line, I think is much more similar to Ford. Because Ford doesn't take it in, really. He'll he'll pull the trigger and pull the pass, but he'll pull the right pass. And Rob does do the same. He's a very, very intelligent rugby player. So I do think there's a bit of a benefit there to, you know, as you say, whoever plays at 12 and um, Sam James at 13 and Luke James at 15, there's, there's going to be a certain style that probably more closely, as you say, goes, goes to that George Ford style. But I think... We, the problem is, yes, you're getting close to that George Ford style, but you've not got the tactical kicking game and you've not got the place kicking game. And that, I just, I genuinely think, if AJ, I hadn't realised AJ was up for six weeks, thank you for telling me. I think that's top four over. I, I really don't think we're, we're top four worthy because we don't have a reliable kicker. We're, we're not going to win games. We're not going to beat Saris if we don't kick our points. Um, that's the fundamental, isn't it? It does feel like this bath game is maybe a indicator of um, kind of how the season will go, which is we've got enough on paper, we've got enough in the team. The, the forward pack, I think, thought showed pretty well in the loose on, uh, on on Saturday. But we get three points out of that game rather than five because we don't have AJ kicking 85%. We have Rob Dupria and Faf in tandem kicking 50-60%. Um, and I think that makes a massive difference. So I think that's... Sort of, I think between us, we've managed to sort of uh, unravel kind of where where the season is going in terms of trajectory. Which is that, uh, yeah, without AJ uh, or playing Curtis or Wilkes or a specialist goal kicker, we are going to struggle a little bit to to kind of really push on. Uh, and those five point opportunities are going to become three point opportunities instead, which is not a bad result. But it's Champions Cup qualification rather than top four qualification. Um. 
I don't want to be too down on this because I think it's still, you know, three points gained, uh, etc. I think it's a solid result, but obviously we've got high expectations. Did um, did anything else sort of stand out for, to you from from Saturday's game in terms of individual performances or or anything you thought the did very well um, that we can take forward? Obviously, going uh, into that match with uh, Saracens on Friday. Yeah, well, I've mentioned Ben Rod already. Obviously, and he was absolutely outstanding, um, genuinely unbelievable. The amount of turnovers he got. I don't have the stats to hand, but it, honestly, it felt like five or six. It was just ridiculous. You know, like, who needs Jack Willis getting in the England squad? Four turnovers, according to Premiership Rugby. Um, insane. For a loose head prop, that is insane. A 21-year-old loose head prop. It's just not right. It's freakish. They build them different on the Isle of Man. Um, so that was absolutely outstanding. I thought Curtis Langdon looked really good off the bench and then, again, as he has been all season, and then he got injured, which is a massive shame. Um, I thought Tom Raybuck had a really good game. I've been saying for a few weeks that Raybuck and Reid are sort of nicely dovetailing their really good performances. I thought Raybuck was superb, under the high ball, evaded, under pressure. There was a couple of times when he was in his own goal line and uh, had to get out of trouble and just did so well. I think he's showing such maturity at premiership level um, that he's going massively unnoticed. Um so that's really, really encouraging. I think he's him and Reid are number one choice for wingers now for the foreseeable, uh, unless we sign anyone in the next few days. Um, I think Luke James, again, had a good game. Other than that, see, I think it's really hard. Johnny Ross actually had a really, really big game, really impactful, didn't give away that many penalties. So, yeah, I think that was a very good game for him. I think there were some other performances in the pack, especially that were just penalty ridden, and you know it's it's hard to. The problem is when you're giving away that many penalties, it starts to become irrelevant what else you do in the game. Um, and it's a massive issue that needs fixing. Uh, unfortunately, our eight was doing it, Dan Debrio, and he's the only eight we've got, so he's not going to get dropped. Um, but I do think there's yes, that's slightly. Uh, Slightly negative point, but I think, yes, the other performance is just... And Simon McIntyre came off the bench, and I thought, why are you taking Ben Rod off? And actually, Simon McIntyre was superb as well. So, you know, I think we're well-stocked. Um, and, it you know, it's, yet again, it's the academy lads who play really well, don't give away that many penalties, other than Ben Curry, who's getting Simbin for um, everything at the moment. Um, you know, they play really well, don't give away that many penalties, a really solid game. And yes, they might not have the X factor that, that those other players do, but they're the real positives for me because I just think they're coming on leaps and bounds, all of them, and, and it's so exciting to watch. And, you know, the the worry is that people like Bevan Rod will get picked for England and be away half the year and get injured every other week, like Tua Lange and Tom Curry do. Um, but then again... You'd just be massively proud of them if they made it at that level. So you can't really get upset about it. So yeah, it's. Um, I think they're the they're the big positives for me, as they have been all season. That's been the theme of the season, to be fair. Academy kids coming through, making the name in the first team and playing absolutely outstandingly. So that's got to be the hope for the future. It's just um, yes, the, the short term. There's a few other things to fix, but long term, it is still looking bright. I think. I think one thing I want to mention before we move on as well is, is, is the shape of that attack that, that we had. And 
obviously, you know, we, we can't ignore the fact we score four tries. That, that That's really good. I thought the first try, the Luke James try, was probably the best work try I've seen from Sale this season. The, the sort of inside-out pass where it goes to Sam James and the little flick back to Rob Dupree and then sends Luke James through. Just the shape of, of that attack was really nice. And I think when you look at the players that you've got, it, it's a really it's a really nice balance. I, I know we are missing AJ, but let's say we've got you know generic specialist fly half in at 10. With the ball dominant nine in, in De Klerk, Van Rensburg at 12, who I thought had a really solid game again. Nice try uh, as well. You know, James at 13. You've obviously got Roebuck and Reed who have, like you said, dovetailed into some nice form. Luke James at 15. There's a real, there is a real promising sort of shape there, and when you see those little set plays come to fruition, like we saw for that very first try, that's really exciting. That, that's another, that's really encouraging, and um, yeah, just just the actual skills and execution that we saw there were very impressive. And for Rohan's try, you know, the ball squirts out. De Klerk with the smart play to flick it on to, to Rob Dupria. Dupria, great hands uh, and quick execution to get out to Van Rensburg. And then Van Rensburg having the sort of wherewithal to cut back inside once he's over the try line to, to um, make the kick a little bit easier. It, it's just little things like that that make a big difference over the course of a game. And I just thought on, on occasions on Saturday, you, you saw some really encouraging signs again from the attack, which shows that actually... If we can sort out maybe some discipline and some set piece, there, there is enough there to really keep pushing on for the top four. Yeah, definitely, and and it's a good point about that Rohan try. I said that as soon as I saw it. So it's so clever, and and so if you're a Bath player or coach, I'd be furious that you've let him get there. But just the pace to do it, um, I agree on Rohan. Yeah. I mean, that is the thing, you know, we're scoring four tries and we were sat here moaning a year ago that we weren't getting any try bonus points. So you can't have it all, can you? Um, we just want it all because we're Sale fans and that's the way we are. Well, speaking of wanting it all, we've got uh, more rugby than you can shake a stick at this week. So we're recording this sort of Monday evening UK time. Um, and as it stands, we've actually got another game in about 24 hours time. So, because of the scheduling issues uh, with COVID and cancellations um, and the, the slightly abridged season this year, uh, Sale are back in Premiership Rugby Cup action on Tuesday evening. Uh, they travel down to Harlequins um, and the Stoop. Um, so, Alex, I mean, Premiership Rugby Cup-wise, I remember we spoke on, on our last pod a couple of weeks ago. Sale were in a really tough position in terms of... Um, getting out of the, the group stage. They obviously entertained Wasps in, a, in our last home game, got trounced by what was probably more of a senior Wasps team than it was a, a sale senior team. I think you could probably call it Wasps A versus, you know, the, the, the sale senior academy sort of thing. Like it, it had that feel to it. Um, you know, I think, I don't know if he actually played, but I know Wasps named Malachi Fekitoa in their team. And it's like, well, you got an all black. Yeah, they, they brought Malachi Fekatero off the bench. We brought Joe Bedlow off the bench. And Joe Bedlow is a really exciting player. But it does, you know, Malachi Fekatero has played for the All Blacks. So yeah. it's like that that emphasised the difference in the teams for me. And to be fair, Joe Bedlow did really well. But yeah. also, to be fair, Malachi Fekatero is an All Black. So obviously there was only ever one way that the result was going to go. When it came to that, and to be honest, we actually played quite well in that game, but it was, you know, it just 
it, power and age told, I think, in the end. But, I mean, it's a real men versus boys situation, isn't it? Um, almost literally uh, in this instance. But yeah, so anyway, sales chances of progressing are, are basically uh, extinct. Um, so this game is, is sort of more for pride. And we're going to touch on Saracens in a second. Um, but I just wanted to sort of pause very briefly on this. So the team obviously was announced Monday, Monday afternoon. Briggsy's taking it again um, as the academy transition coach, stepping into the head coach role. Um, Alex, just just briefly, you know, of, of the players, um, you know, listed to to start, um, who who's sort of catching the eye for for you in terms of players you're excited to to see get another run out? Yeah, well, I was at the game uh, against Wasps, um, so there were a few really good performances. Um, so I'm excited to see a few people go again. I think that Joe, I really like Joe Carpenter when I've seen him sail FC this season. He had a quiet game against Wasps, obviously, because he was at fullback and we were getting battered. Um, but that would be good to see. Really interesting to see how Wilkinson Curtis goes 10 12 axis. I think that would be really good to watch, actually. And, and the problem is that it might be a really tough ask of them, but hopefully we get to see some moments there. Um, Cal Ford came off the bench against Wasps and looked good, so that'll be a, a good one to watch. Ben Bamber, um, who looked like a bit of a handful, actually, on trial, apparently. and We've never heard of him. James never heard of him. Um, Sale do have this habit of signing players at the moment without telling us, so uh, <coughs> it, is, it is more difficult than it than it appears. If James Maidley hasn't heard of him, you, you know, it, it's a real sort of left field selection because yeah. he, he's heard of 15-year-olds playing for Kirkham who, uh, you know, who might play for sale in four years. Um, and even he hadn't heard of Ben Bamba. So to make of that what you will. Yeah, but um, the one I'm most excited to see, actually, obviously that Bedlow, uh, Wilkinson Curtis axis will be really good. And Joe Bedlow did look really good when he came off the bench. Um, but Jack Metcalf has, has shown a couple of flashes in the senior team this season and got a really nice intercept try at the end of the Wasps game. Um, he, he looks proper rapid and he looks a sort of Roebuck-esque but with a bit more agility, I would say. Uh, maybe not quite as much power. So he is a really good really good player to watch, actually. So I'm excited to see him get started. I've only ever seen him come off the bench. Um, I think he came off. Oh, did he? No, maybe he did start against uh, Wasps. My memory is uh, ailed. But I, either way, I'm excited to watch him play. So, yeah, that, obviously, it's the backs because I'm a back and I can't get away from it. Um, I do actually think Tommy Taylor looked very good as kind of captain. It's nice for those players to have someone like Tommy to be kind of guiding them through it. Um, but, yeah, Wilkinson, Curtis, Metcalf, they're my, uh, they're my picks. And Wilkinson, Curtis, because of the axis. I mean, we've seen them enough for sale at various levels, so um, just interested to see how they play together in 10-12 role, um, which I presume James has seen about 20 times at age grade level, because I'm sure it happened all the time, but uh, it'd be nice to see it on this sale first team shirt. It's really, it, that is really exciting as well, because regardless of kind of who's playing in our team, our senior team at any given time, we always operate with a crash ball 12, and then a sort of secondary playmaker at 13. This marks a real shift in terms of how Sale uh, are going to be playing, where we've got basically a, a dual playmaker axis at 10 and 12, something we've not seen since the heydays of, of AJ and James O'Connor, 
um, at 10 12, which obviously for long time listeners of the pod will remember I was very keen to see more of, and we only saw it a couple of times. Um, but that that's really exciting because actually what what you might see is if this starts to set and it starts to work well and Wilkinson and Curtis develop chemistry, in two, three, four years' time, we might be, as a club, playing a very different style of rugby based around those two players. And, and obviously with George Ford coming in as well, there's a potential there for... He's obviously a fantastic player who can play in many different ways. You could have, in theory, in two, three years, have someone like Tom Curtis playing as a, as a secondary playmaker to George Ford and... That might be how we build our team, um, rather than playing. You know um, what? What you could probably call a crash ball ten in AJ, who's very physical and, and takes it to the line, and a crash ball twelve in Rohan or, or Tuilangi. So that's a really exciting thing, not just from a player perspective, but from a from a team perspective as well. Um, so best of luck to the uh, to, to the Sale Academy lads um, and, and some of the the other first team members down. Uh, Quinn's like I said, playing for pride more than anything, but we'll uh, uh, hopefully see a good performance regardless. Um, and that's the sort of uh, you know entree to what is a massive fixture on Friday, uh, where Sale play host to Saracens. Um, so regardless of your feelings on Saracens, uh, e.g., you know they they cheated, um, they they've come back. This is the first season back in in the Premiership, and they have picked up where they left off. Second in the table, 68 points from, from 19 games. Admittedly, 12 points off, off the pace of Leicester, who are top, um, although Saracens do have a game in hand. But they are looking very comfortable for a top-four position in one way, shape, or form. Harlequins are only a couple of points behind them. They're, they're on 63. So there is a chance that Saracens may not get a, a home semi-final, depending on how things shift. But I think at this stage, we can feel relatively comfortable about penciling them in for a top four place, regardless of whether or not they're home or away in the in the semi-finals. Um, we all know Saracens. You know, we we all know about their English contingent. I, I don't necessarily need to rehash too much there. Owen Farrell obviously came back at the weekend, um, which is uh, you know a boon for them, given that he'd been out for four months. Um, and he likewise had sort of picked up where they left off. He was sort of instrumental in them beating Bristol at home, 27 points to, to 23. Um so, Alex, I, I want to look at this more from a sale perspective, which is, you know, the Saracens, regardless of whether, you know, they've come up from the championship or whether they've stayed, the, the core of that team remains the same. It's Jamie George, it's the Vuna Polars, it's Elliot Daly, Owen Farrell, etc. We, we've seen Sale, you know, beat Saracens in the past uh, at the AJ Bell. But this one feels like it's going to be a real uphill battle. Saracens look very set as a as a, a top of the table team we're sort of going through this sort of mini transition we're in season um what are you kind of looking out for from a sale perspective for this game and and you know from a selection perspective is is there anything we can do different to what we did at bath and um, i think we're gonna have to really match them up front and you know sorry's playing really well this season with kind of with Farrell back now, that's the worry because um, using Tompkins as a second distributor has been working really well for them. It's created some really nice tries. Um, Daly and Maitland on the wings. I mean, they've just got international class all over the field, haven't they? And they're going to bring all of that. So it's it's going to be a really tough ask. Um, I think, yeah, as I say, we'll have to match them up front. We'll have to get our accuracy better. We'll have to get our discipline better. 
Um, all of which are doable and we have done at home before. I think selection-wise, A, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll see Tirolani back, given that he was nearly back for Bath. I think it's a really, really... That's harsh on Rohan. Um, I'd say maybe Tirolani on the bench. Or maybe we just go all out and go Tirolani, Rohan in the centre and proper go Bash Brothers. Um, because Saracens, you know, it's it's... I think if we play our way and Saracens play their way, it's really hard for us to win this game because I just think they're better at doing what we do. So, you know, that, that side of play isn't going to work. We're gonna, we'd are gonna we either have to be brilliant, like we were when we beat them at home a couple of years ago, whenever it was, um, or we would have to be played in a very different way and really shock them. And that's probably the only way to do it. You know, we've beaten them with Robbie Breer before. We know how to beat Saris, and the way to beat Saris is to play in their half match them up front and you will you know they will give up points and as long as we can kick them you know they're, they're not they overwhelm you but if you keep them in their half they're not going to do what Quinn's do and break from their own 22 it's just not the way they play so that's the best way to do it win that kind of win that territorial battle and and but to do that you have to you can't give away penalties you've got to be accurate at line out and scrum time and if you, and I don't think I don't know whether we can do that. But you've also then got to have discipline. Yeah, you know that's that's the real struggle for me. So I think selection-wise, our hands are a little bit tied at the moment because we have got injuries in key areas. Um, but I think again, you have to go Rod. You have to go with um, Ashman because Langdon's injured and Tommy Taylor's playing on Tuesday. Um, in the second row, you have to go to Yaga. Um, Cobus Beater obviously came off the bench, which is really good to see. That gives us a lot of options around the pack, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up playing in uh, coming off the bench again, giving that versatility. So there's that element of it. And then, and then in the backs, as I said, I don't think there's really much change other than whether you bring Tirolangi back and who you bring him in for. Personally, I wouldn't. I'd bring him off the bench and have that impact, but. I can see the merit of bringing him in at 13 and, and dropping Sam James that, back down to the bench to cover cover the uh, kind of 10, 12, 13, 15 jerseys, uh, which, he, which he can do. So, yeah, I expect minimal change purely because of the fact that anyone who would maybe come in is probably playing on Tuesday. But I think it, we have to either be excellent and we're not in the good enough form to be excellent or we have to bring something a little bit different and a little bit cute, and even then still play really well to beat the Saris team. I mean, we're at home, massive difference. Away at Bath was really tough. The crowd was on our back, really, really got, you know, Saturday afternoon in the sun at the wreck, they just really got behind Bath and, and against us. I think you noticed that, you know, they were like booing the kicker, they were uh, whistling every decision, they were cheering everything when they thought Bath should get a penalty. So, there's it, that will play in our favour. I don't know whether it's enough to tip the scales, but it might be. You know, we've as I say, we've beaten Saris at home before. We will do it again. We've got a load of talent, and we've we've got them the way to beat them. We know how to beat them, and we just have to execute it again. And you know, Rob Dupree inspired it last time. Could Rob Dupree inspire it again? Maybe. What do you think? I think. 
the, the, the blueprint here is you need a fantastic game from your nine and ten. You know, um, Saracens are a very good team. They're very good at managing field position, territory, etc. Um, you need to sort of fight fire with fire from that aspect. Um, there is a temptation to start Tuolangi and Van Rensburg and say, well, if you're going to give us loads of the ball, we're just going to put our biggest, best carriers and just, just run at you over and over again. And I think that can work. But Saracen uh, against a, a different sort of team, but Saracens are just too streetwise and too smart for that sort of thing. I genuinely think you know we can we could overpower Saracens, but Saracens are going to play the territory game so well that even if we're overpowering them, we're, we're doing it in our own half. Um, and the impact of of making five meters over the game line is a lot less than if it was in their twenty two, for example. So I think what 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 you need to see is yeah you need to see the best performance we've we've seen from Rob Dupree in a sell shirt. We we need to see um, you know De Klerk sort of get back to that World Cup winners form, and uh, I I think we we also probably need to see you know Sam James you know get a start. We need to see Luke James start at fifteen. You need to see these ball players the the footballers who can sort of match up against your Alex Gouge, your, your Max Malins, your Alex Zazowski's. Because the last thing you want is, you know, Tompkins, Zazowski, you know, putting all these little kicks and chips through um, and the ball falling to Manitou Alangi, who as good as he is, can't play territory. You know, if he gets the ball, he's going to run, run it straight back. Um, and, and obviously, from, from that perspective, that's great. He might run over Alex Zazowski. Um, fantastic. But then you've got Marotoji and Nikazikwa who can get over the ball um, in addition to you know Ben Earl, and all of a sudden that territory battle has been run by Saracens. So I think it's going to be a massive game for De Klerk and, and um, uh, Rob Dupria. I think forwards-wise, you're right. I think our, our pack is set, and I think that can go toe-to-toe with uh, with Saracens. But we are going to have to see a massive performance from the uh, from the halfbacks. Um, with that all being said, quick quick prediction, Alex. How do you see Friday afternoon, uh, Friday night going? I really want to be optimistic, but I'm not. I think Sarri's going to win. Uh, probably edge it. I think we'll obviously put in a good performance for it at home. We'll play, we'll, you know, pride in the shirt and all that. But I think Sarri's 20. Uh, no, it's not going to be that high scoring. Sarri's 18, Sale 15. A close loss, uh, but maybe like we'll score, you know, a try in the last minute or something. I, I think. I just don't know how we're going to score against them, but maybe we'll get a try bonus point. Who knows? What about you, Lewis? 2017 to Saracens. They just look so good at the moment. A real <laughs> sort of well-oiled machine. And uh, I, I think Sale are going to be able to go toe-to-toe with them. But I just back that all-round game that Saracens can bring um, to, to, to get them over the line. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think a, a loss to Saracens probably spells the end of our top four hopes. But we've been saying that for a couple of weeks now. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But you, you really hope to see another statement performance we, we probably dropped a couple of points against Bath we, we shouldn't have if we can come back and beat Saracens in, in a similar vein to what we did against Leicester and Quinns earlier in the year that would be a, a massive boon and, and really give us a bit of confidence going into the rest of the season um, so that's the pod for this week um, thank you everyone for listening thank you to everyone who submitted three word reviews um, and uh, thank you um, to everyone who uh, hasn't been pestering us about not doing a pod on the Premiership Rugby Cup. Um, at the end of the day, there's only so much you can say about uh, Wasps playing All Backs and, and us playing uh, Academy Lads. So we appreciate no one getting in our grill for that. Um, and yeah, that's everything from my side. Alex, anything from, from yourself to finish up? 
Uh, no, I don't think there is actually. Just yeah, thanks everyone for listening, and, and hopefully we see a good um, a good game at the AJ Bell on Friday night against Sarries, and uh, maybe you know maybe we'll end the week with two wins. Uh, who knows? So good luck to all the last Quins on Tuesday as well. Thank you.